Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the circuits of time. A home for the best in 80s movies. Grab your root beers and let's get rocking. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 3 of our Circuits of Time podcast. I'm here with my co-host J-Dog and we have a special guest here with us today. It is none other than our good friend and comrade Axel. Axel, welcome to the show. Thank you, it's an honour and a privilege, gentlemen. J-Dog, episode 3. Three episodes in already, JD, it's fantastic. It's great to see we've got a number of subscribers now. Episode three, we're going to be discussing a very uh, special film, a cult classic, some might say, uh, but we will have a little bit of audio, as we always will. Uh, see if you can guess the film from the following. Okay, and if you haven't guessed it from that, J-Dog? It's none other than Robocop. Fantastic, yeah, Robocop. Um, Axel, J-Dog, why don't you start off by telling us a few brief facts about Robocop? Well, Robocop... It was made in 1987. It was set in Detroit. Um, director Paul Verhoeven, who also directed Total Recall, for anyone who thought he might sound familiar. He's well known for love and gore and blood, sometimes a bit too much so, um, as reflected in, in his films. <laughs> Another thing about Paul Verhoeven as well, he is the first director to ever win a Razzie for the worst director and show up and wow. accept that award. 1995 for Showgirls. Oh, fair play yeah. to him because, oh, Showgirls, that's the one with Jesse from uh, Saved by the Bell in it. That uh, was, was her first foray into films, I think. And it was it was contentious at the time because uh, it was one of the only films that was rated at NC-17 rating in America. And if your film gets an NC-17 rating, that's really bad for business because what that means is people under the age of 17 can't... Uh, under the age of 18 or 17, not quite sure, cannot see that film. In this country, we're used to that. 12, 12A, 15, and 18, definitely. But in America, it's a bit more liberal. It, they have the R rating system. R just means it's parental discretion. So obviously, NC-17 kills business, and Showgirls was rated that because of nudity. And, and you know, I know this is the Robocop podcast, but go, just briefly on Showgirls. It's funny, everyone I seem to speak to that I've, well, I've spoken to about Showgirls seems to enjoy it. Conveniently, they're all men. I don't know why that might be. <laughs> um, Axel, anything else you want to add about uh, Robocop that some people might not know? Peter Weller was the, the star. He was he played Robocop. When they were actually looking to cast Robocop, um, under consideration was Arnold Schwarzenegger, of, of all people. Um, but he was too big and bulky. He was too considered to be too big and bulky for that, that role. Because the they just painted them so well. Well, uh, well <laughs> exactly. But the, the costume was so heavy that they needed someone with a slender build and with Peter Weller, he was actually he used to run marathons and he was a slim build and he was perfect for it. And you you see that earlier on in the film, of course, mm. before he becomes Robocop. Yeah. He, he's quite a yeah. quite uh, quite thin, quite quite lanky, really. Yeah. Um, I couldn't imagine really someone like Schwarzenegger inside that suit because he's a bit he's as big as Robocop before the suit's uh, yeah. already on, and that's that Robocop suit was based on a uh, hockey equipment which is quite big and quite bulky. So they needed someone who was small. And I did read that it was, it was stiflingly hot inside mm. the suit and he had to have a fan built into yeah. it and taking, taking it off constantly between shoots. You've just said, who was it that played Robocop? 
Peter Weller. Peter Weller. What else is he? I actually don't know who he is. You, the name rings familiar, but... He's been in a few things, but if I'm honest, there's nothing of note. This wasn't he, wasn't he the lead singer of the jam? <laughs> <laughs> With all due respect to the guy, I mean, this is what made him. When anyone sees a picture of him or, you know, hears that name, they will associate Robocop. That's his... It's, I mean, this was made in 1987. It's like, he's, this has made his career. You know what I mean? Um, but just speaking about that costume as well, he used to lose, on, on, on average, every day, three pounds. Wow. It was that heavy. And here's a little something for you, just anyone, any listeners that didn't know about this, which is fascinating to me, is the scenes when he when Robo is getting into the police car and like when he's like driving about and stuff like that, it actually the, the costume did not allow for like, you know, movement and bending. Mm. So the bottom half he was just in his boxies. <laughs> so or of any foreign listeners, boxies, uh, on the underpants, um, tidy whiteies or White whatever. Fronts. <laughs> bills, underwear. bills for the scarces. Yeah. No um but yeah um so any scenes which involved it, it like or even walking down the stairs to the nightclub scene, he, he had no, nothing on underneath. It was just literally just his, his boxes. Well, <laughs> even though we might not have heard too much about Peter Weller and his and his career, um, it sounds to me like he's he was quite dedicated to the cause of whatever he was acting in yes. because he worked with a mime artist in order to get the movements right, and that really shows off and pays off on camera. Another thing about it is, and <laughs> this is a funny point. He he insisted at first that everybody and you mentioned the name before. He insisted on on set that everybody called him Robo, and everyone just laughed at him for it, including the director. And I think that 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 use of the name Robo just didn't last very long on set. <laughs> so without further ado, guys, tell us a little bit about the film itself, the premise, the the storyline. Just give us a a brief outline of what RoboCop's about. Well, I mean to summarize it, I mean it's set in crime-ridden Detroit. Um, basically, a murdered cop returns to the force as a powerful cyborg haunted by submerged memories. Anything to add on that, J-Dog? I think the, the plot in itself is science fiction based and quite simple. Dead cop comes back to life. Similar sort of storyline we've seen in The Six Million Dollar Man. But there are so many other themes going on in Robocop that make it a great film that you can watch when, when you're younger, maybe a little bit too young for the film, but you watch it anyway. And and appreciative for the you know the 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 way the violence and the story and all the funny bits and with the with the uh, fake adverts and things like that which we can talk about more later. But also, of course, there are themes running throughout the film that as you get older, you you start to notice quite subtle and quite turns out to be quite a well made film. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, uh, this is the part of the show where we kind of talk about things that the average RoboCop fan might not know or, you know, anyone who's interested in the film, maybe even an avid fan, might not know. So, guys, take it away. Do you know anything about this film that maybe the average schmuck might not? Yes, J.D., actually. Uh, Paul, we've talked about Paul, Paul Verhoeven. He turned down this film initially. He'd rejected it on the basis that he thought it was just a dumb action movie. He'd only read a couple of pages. Uh, his wife was the person who actually convinced him to read it again. And when he read it more, he actually realised there are a lot more... Uh, Subtle, as we said, there were subtle things about the film. There are a lot more, uh, it's a lot more nuanced than what he actually thought it was. And so we noticed the satire elements of it. And that's what made him finally decide to direct the film. So he was sold totally on the script. He was. Axel? Well, I did, I did hear that there was actually originally going to be a sex scene between Robocop and his partner, Lewis. Mm. Well, his police partner. 
Um, and it was actually, a, I mean, Paul Verhoeven, when he came to it, was a ve- relevantly new director. So obviously you'd think, oh, he's going to get shot down by the writers. But both two, two writers both said, yeah, okay, we'll go with it. And then they came to the senses and before it and said, no, it's not happening. The, when, before he got killed or the robot? The actual, uh, oh, I'm not too sure about that. I'd like to think beforehand, but I don't see how either would would save this story anything. We'd literally I mean, see a, Robocop with with his kit off. Exactly. And the thing is as well, he's got a he's got a family as well. Do you know what I mean? It's just he's got a he's got a like a well, wife re- and kid you, and stuff like that. Like his gun trick when he's doing that, that's like, you know, from TJ Laser and in the beginning of the film it says, like, you know, Anne Lewis says, you know, what's that why do you do that trick? Flicking your, your gun round? He goes, Oh, it's my my son watches says he wrote TJ Laser. Um and you know, every young boy should have a role model in his life, so I try and do it. So then it's like in one scene they do that and then the next he's like banging it do you know what I mean it's just when would they like suit that or Robocop Lois you know I don't I really don't see how you know what I mean like they fix everything so do you you know what well, you know what I don't understand so, so I'm glad it didn't it Ro- Robo <laughs> baby never made it past the storyboard well the thing is as well I mean this film struggled um, to like you were saying about ratings before like the MP and um, double A like rejected like you know it gave it the highest um what's the highest rating um for like a, a film is it r in america yes. in america well yeah. nc17 is the the is that the one that's like restrict parental uh, uh, kind of thing no the, the, the nc17 means that you have to no one under the age of 17 on or under can go and see it so it's basically yeah. 18 well this, this film got the r rating which which and it got rejected every time 12 times because they didn't want that rating, obviously, because oh, you're going to really limit that, that audience, aren't you? Um, and then it took them 12 times to get that to get that, that, um, that rating. To that get the R. Yeah. Okay. Mad. <laughs> Anything else to add, J-Dog? Yeah, I was just wondering which kind of scenes then might have actually held it back from getting the R rating initially. <sighs> I think um, I like to call it that scene, to be honest. Um, I mean, I, the first time I watched Robocop must have been, I must have been about five or six, which obviously I know it shouldn't have been, but I like to be a naughty boy. We're talking uh, about the rating <laughs> systems, you're talking about... Well, I talk well, about breaking themselves. Well, you know, Siskel and Ebert talk about this all the time, about how the rating systems in America was defunct. And a lot of people have talked about it um, with the BBFC as well. You know, these, film, these films will get through. I understand them. We all understand that there's got to be a system in place. But there's nothing more appealing to children than... Tell them what they can't do. Yeah, it's forbidden fruit, isn't it? You know, it's just, you know, you're going to want to watch it, you know. But um, but I think that scene at the beginning when Murphy dies, you know, and gets killed by Clarence Bodiger, who's spoiler, the bad guy. Spoiler alert. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> looking forward to watching it on Netflix. But anyway, um, that beginning scene sets the tone. And, you know, it's such a... Clarence Bodiger, for me, is one of the best bad guys in films. He's always, he's actually, I can't think of anyone better for me because he really was just a scum of the earth. He was this, like, drug lord, crime lord. He was horrible. And he had these men who he controlled, like a lot of people, like, in that position do. But he was just, he didn't care. And there's a, in that scene, he, he goes, I love that scene when he goes, um, you know, that's the thing, cops don't like me, so I don't like cops. And then he goes, nah, 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 and he's pointing his gun on his arm while he's standing on it. And then he just blows it off. Oh, my goodness. And it's so graphic as well, which isn't surprising with Paul Verhoeven. Do you know what I mean? Because as we were saying earlier, he does, he has got that penchant for blood. He loves it. He goes a bit too over the top. But Well, you know, I like think of that scene as well where Ed 209 malfunctions and shoots the, the man in the boardroom. Yeah. And we not only see the man get shot, 
the camera cuts away from him and then cuts, cuts back to him. And I think it cuts away from him and cuts back to him for a third time, mm. by which point his entire body has been uh, torn to complete shreds. And I always wonder as well who's got the actual job of setting up all these different uh, blood squibs and things like that. That must yeah, be a really yeah. interesting job to actually have. Yeah. What did you do today at work, love? Uh, put a load of blood packs inside a shirt so someone could be blown yeah, to pieces. Like oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, what are we having for tea? Put some ketchup packets in a blazer. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to add, guys? I just wanted to ask if any of you had actually come across the actor who plays Clarence Bodica. Was his name Kerwood? Kerwood Smith. Kerwood Smith. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen him in, is it that 70s show? Mm-hmm. And whenever I saw him in that, because my mind has been so uh, fixed to imagine him in RoboCop, I can't. I just can't imagine him in anything it's else. Crazy. He's scary. It's, it's, in such that, a, so. it's such a completely different character that he plays. I, I put him on the telly, turn it off. Yeah, it's mad. It's absolutely crazy. Um, to go from one scum of the earth evil bastard, <laughs> to put it simple. Um, you know, to such a different. It's yeah. just unbelievable. But funny enough, actually. Um, while I was talking about Kate Smith, um, he was actually cast originally to be Dick Jones, um, but they decided against it last minute and just said, um, no, you'd be best suited, I think, as Clarence Bodegan. I think it paid off because it was excellent. Um, and another thing as well, there's a scene um, with Kate Smith in, in Robocop where he goes in to see Dick Jones, of all people, and Dick Jones' secretary is outside, and he walks up and he goes... I'm here to see Dick Jones. And she's got a little like name plaque on the table and he goes like he gets his chewy, shoves it on the on the plaque, and then he goes and he goes I think she says something like, Oh um oh I think my Mr. Jones is is busy and lot of and he goes, I'm sure you'll be able to fit me in. And he says it dead seedily and horrible. And funny why I'm saying that, that ended up being his wife. That wow. woman, yeah. Joan, oh, wow. Joan Pickles, I think Pickles I think her name was. But she um she ended up being his wife the next year. Yes. <laughs> <Matt>. <laughs> So I can't picture him. What else has he been in? Because I haven't he's seen. Those, I haven't seen the film for twenty five years. He's one of those people. I've, I've, it's that face. I've seen him in more. I mean, obviously, like the first thing I ever remember was, was, he, in the Ma- was he in the Matrix. Am I imagining it? Was he in the Matrix? Or am I thinking of someone entirely different? No, I think no. He looks like the guy that the 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 bald guy who's kind of rebels against the Matrix. I don't think it is him. Joe Pantaleano. Ah, right. So it's not. No, him. he was in. Uh, well, he was in loads. So he he was in the Goonies. He was one of the Fratellis. Yeah, I think it's Goonies. just the bald head and the glasses. I'm getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Axel, one of the facts that I had uh, there's a there's a, a shot where somebody throws the keys to the car at RoboCop, and he catches the keys. Uh, it actually took them 50 times to film it because the hands themselves were made of rubber. So every time somebody would throw the keys at the hands, the fingers would bend. Yeah. So they had to film it again and again to actually get it right. That'd be a very long day of um, filming. Very long day of filming. <laughs> so how did they actually fix that? And then if the, if the keys would just get bent in the rubber? Do you know? I don't know. I wonder if any of our listeners have the answer to that question. Well, if they have, you can always have feedback to us on our... Twitter page, which doesn't exist yet, but we're hoping to have fixed it but at some point this week. So. Watch, watch this space. Exactly. My other fact was about the uh, the Desert Eagle, which is used by the deceased uh, executive in the office. It's a really large, shiny Desert Eagle gun. He's the, he points it at Ed 209. This weapon was actually originally meant to be Robocop's weapon. Uh, but when they when they put it in the hands of the of the RoboCop suit, it was too small for that. So they had to design a special weapon 
for for Robocop, which was obviously much larger and much more exaggerated than than usual. I think the new weapon suits it a lot more than than a Desert Eagle. There's something it was, special, yeah. something different I heard it was about a Beretta that. automatic. Ah, okay, yeah, okay. Machine. Did not know that. Yeah, I loved that gun. I remember, like, I always wanted like I sound, I sound like a bad man, but when I was watching it, I was young. You are. I wanted. Man. You that, are a bad man. That gun, and then he just puts it in the side of his leg. I just thought that is a gun. That. <laughs> well, that's one of the things for films from the eighties. You know, you the, the the science fiction elements, the the uh, western, the, 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 the all those yeah, different yeah, things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but when you saw something on screen, you wanted it. You know, I'm yeah. thinking of RoboCop's gun. Uh, the Terminator's weaponry, yeah. Back to the Future, the hoverboard, etc. Kelly LeBrock's bra. <laughs> what? Maybe not on my head. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Okay, so I always think it's fun. I know how well you both know the film. You've both seen it umpteen times. But how well do you know this film? So, J-Dog and Axel, how about you kind of give each other a few questions, test each other's knowledge of Robocop? Yeah, that sounds good. Sounds good to me. Okay, you ready, J-Dog? I am. Okay. What does OCP stand for? Omni Consumer Products. Yes, sir! <laughs> well done, sir. Five points, J-Dog. It's an easy one, there. Put that start off easy and get hard. Okay. <laughs> get hard. Oh. We'll cut that out, eh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, there are lots of spoof advertisements in this film. Yes. Including the 6,000 Sucks SUX. SUX. But my question is... Can you name the nuclear war themed board game that appears in one of these adverts? Ooh, um, let me think. I'm gonna say Nukem. It's Nukem. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Five points all, gentlemen. I love that that, that, that commercial as well. He goes, "That's it, Mister. No more military aid." Presses the button. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> It's just summer. It, it, uh, the the idea of that is it's it's satirizing yeah. uh, life and you know bear in mind it was still the nineteen eighties the Cold War was still on. I must say when I was watching that when I was younger though I, I was a bit confused because I was like obviously you don't you can't like separate and differentiate between like real commercials and that and I just thought what is this stuff? It must be a real <laughs> thing. I was like, yeah. it's like whoa. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one of the things that really made me feel uncomfortable and still does to this day mm. are the scenes with the strange game show host where. He's the one with the I'll buy that for a dollar. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But there's a there's a scene just before Rope, uh, Murphy gets killed where he's creeping around the abandoned chemical works or whatever it is. Mm. And he comes across Emil, one of the baddies, and another baddie. And they turn the television on, they just start laughing their heads off. Immediately. At this yeah, yeah. Immediate... As a child, I thought, what's funny about that? But what yeah. I've learned to understand as an adult now is is that it's it's a spoof of just how people will be transfixed by television. You've seen what children are like. You put a film on, you put something on the television, and they become transfixed automatically. And it's the same idea in that scene as well. These people are just in the laughter head off simply because of the fact that it's on television. Yeah, it's and it's not funny. But in their world, in this world that this film it's inhabits, kind of expecting it as well, isn't it? Like they're expecting it to happen. Yeah. Like it's both like you know, oh, he's funny. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he hasn't said anything. But okay. That, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It just shows how. Bad television is in the near future in this film. And look, we're in the near future now. And it is terrible. Thinking of The Running Man here as well, where The Running Man premise is about a bad television programme, a reality television programme, where the stakes are high and people get killed. Well, what eventually happened in the 20th century, uh, the late 20th, early 21st century? Mm. Programmes like Big Brother, where people were... Being killed? Well, not, <laughs> not necessarily killed. What channel was that on? Yeah. We'll put it this way, I wouldn't be surprised if a programme like Climbing for Dollars came on. That's another spoof one in The Running Man. I feel like we're crossing over into the realms of a film that we may wish to present a podcast about at some point in the future. Very much so. Definitely. Right, what is Robocop's 
human name. Full title, please. Alex Murphy? No? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll, give, I'll give you that. You're missing oh. the middle initial. It's middle really name. Petty. The middle initial. Well, don't well, tell me. Do, do you know the middle initial? Just take Who's a stab. Who's going to know have that? A, well, have a guess. You might just land lucky. Alex. All right. Okay. Well, it's not. I'll discount X and Z. P. Well, you're lost there. Oh, it's Xavier. It's Xavier. P. Alex P. Murphy. Go on. J. How I mean, do you know that? Because I love the guy. Oh, and I love okay. the film. More yeah. than you, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know, we, well, we know how DVD and Blu-ray can clear things up and make things that once appeared blurry on VHS Sharp. Clearly, you were only noticing the name tags on people's <laughs> uniform. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my question for you, Axel, is what do Robocop and the TV series Twin Peaks have in common? Ooh. And this rests on the basis of you knowing what Twin Peaks is. I must say I've heard of Twin Peaks, so I, I'll be honest. I'm just so this thinking, is a stab in the dark. I'm thinking of a pair of supple breasts, so I'm going to say I don't know. Okay, well, you're way <laughs> off the mark there. Two, it's actually two characters from Twin Peaks have appeared in this film. You've got Ray Wise, who plays Bobby. Oh, of, Ray Wise, yeah. Of the title of this podcast. And Miguel Ferrer as Bob Morton. Oh, okay. Both of those were in the TV series Twin Peaks by David Lynch, which I'm a big fan of. I think that's a, quite an obscure fact, but never mind. Okay, cool. Right, let me, next one for you. Um, what are Robocop's prime directives? All of them. Oh, he knew that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, do you mind if I don't get them in the right order? Yeah, yeah, that's fine, go on. Save the public trust. Mm-hmm. Can you actually do this in your best Robocop? Oh, yes. Sound like a machine? Yeah, go on. Serve the public trust. <laughs> Protect the innocent, uphold the law, and there's one more. Yeah, I don't know the exact title of it, but it's around the lines of an OCP employee can't be killed or arrested by yeah. Senior, do you only see it on screen? I think um, it comes up prime director. Does anybody say it? No, the only only time you ever see it is when. Robocop walks in and um, you get you know, Robocop. Dick Jones, who's obviously the senior president yeah. of OCP. Um, who any any listeners who don't know, we keep mentioning OCP. They are basically an organization that control the the police force, basically, and like the army and stuff. And um, they supply all the weapons. They're basically in charge of them. So anyway, um, when he goes in to arrest them, because he's he's been colluding with Clarence Bodiger, he walks in and goes and goes to arrest them, and just as he's he, about to do it. He malfunctions and it's like it's, it's like it's like pushed back. He can't do it and it comes up on the screen and on his like helmet or whatever. Prime Directive Four. Ah. I don't think it specifically says it because right afterwards, obviously Dick Jones explains it and says like about being a senior That's officer right. and you can't do that. Can't do that, buddy boy. You know. Just... <laughs> okay, so no, well done, man. Very well done. And, Thank you. I thought I'd catch you out with the four. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and this one might get you then. Okay, so we all know about Ed Two Hundred Nine. Now, Ed, Ed Two Hundred Nine, for anybody who might not have seen RoboCop, is a failed prototype for a robot that can police Detroit or New Detroit as a representative of of OCP Omni Consumer Products. So, Ed Two Hundred Nine, what is Ed, sure for. Edward? No. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Because he's got little legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm going to pass. Okay. 
I think I might have got him here, JD. I think you have. It's enforcement droid. Ah, wow. okay, okay, okay. And that makes sense, actually thinking about like it does. what he's there for, you know, his purpose. Yeah, and I love that scene as well when Ed does malfunction and the scientists are trying to pull out the wires and the poor executive is, is dead there. And the main boss of OCP stands up and he says, oh, this is terrible, this is awful. You know, and you, part of you is thinking, yeah, this man must have a family and uh, children. No, no, no. The, the, the boss says... This is going to set us back at least $50 million. <laughs> right, this question, I'm going to say three quick... Well, can't say facts because one of them is a fact and the other two I've just bullshitted the way. So you've got to guess which one's the correct one. Okay. Right, so first one. The film was originally obviously, obviously called Robocop. Start again. <laughs> originally it was, then it got changed to Bobocop. No. <laughs> right. Obviously, the film's called Robocop, but when they were, we, were, we pointed earlier and said about they struggled to get that written down, they actually considered calling it Robicop because it sounded a bit... Um, like he was from Heighton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just said, thought it sounded a bit... Um, just a nicer sound to it, do you know what I mean? And the second one is at the old mill scene at the end where it, it all ends, the story... Um, during filming, it was a very boring, so the, there was golf carts all around the set, and when they were bored, Caitlin Smith and Ray Wise, amongst other members of the cast, would chase each other around and <laughs> drive each other around and do that, um, to the dismay of the crew. And the last one is the first part of the film, it's set, it shows you Detroit, but the rest of the film was actually shot in Milwaukee. Ah, same state as that? No. No, that's Michigan. Michigan. Detroit's Michigan. Yeah. Mich right, Detroit's Mil Milwaukee's, Michigan. Milwaukee's Wisconsin. Milwaukee, but close by though. They're near to one another. No. They are, but yeah. it's definitely not Detroit. Oh, definitely okay, not. yeah, definitely. yeah, yeah. Different. Yeah. My um, geographical knowledge of that area of the United States isn't that good, but they are relatively close by. Hmm. Okay. Did you know that Milwaukee means Milwaukee? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which means I can't even remember what Alice Cooper says. <laughs> but anyway, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. Okay. <laughs> we knew it. <laughs> did, you, did you actually answer that? Was there a question? What was the question? So, yeah, there was a question in of there. Of those three, one of them is. True, and the other two have just bullshitted. So, so which, oh, right, okay. which is let's the quickly true? recap? Uh, Roby Cop, uh -huh. um, the old mill scene, the old mill with the golf carts, and the, then Milwaukee. Yes. Shot in Milwaukee. I'm oh, going to go for the golf carts because then you'll turn around and go, "Ha! No, it was actually a milk float that they were chasing around." Come on. So that's the true one. Oh, that is true. Yes, that is actually oh, true. Okay. That is yeah. actually yeah. true. Yeah, with the. The original, well, I'm saying not the third, obviously Robocop was just something that came upon the spot that was very impressive. <laughs> very impressive. <laughs> no, but the third one, just, well, the opening scenes actually is Detroit, but the rest of the film was actually Dallas. All filmed in Dallas, the rest oh, of the Oh, okay. Guys, is there any um, scenes that in particular that you really love from this film? Is the one scene that you can point to and say, this is the scene I, I really... I mean, you love the film. It's both clear from what you've been talking about today. Very hard to pinpoint. Just Well, I'm, I'm oh asking you to pinpoint. And, and tell us why if you can. 
to. You, you know, JD, you ask us about favourite scenes. When I actually try and think of favourite scenes from Robocop, I end up thinking about favourite scenes from Robocop 2 for some yeah. strange reason. It's one of those film series where sometimes the scenes meld into one another and you're not sure which is which is quite in which film. I agree. For I example, agree in Robocop, there's a scene where Robo goes to a, a dance or an arcade or something to try and arrest uh, Leon Nash, played by Ray oh. Wise, who's also in Twin Peaks. And there's a, a fight in shoes there. There's a very similar scene in Robocop 2 where Robocop goes to a, a kid's um, a disco party, a disco, but to a kid's party. And there's a song in the background called The Kids Go Go Wild or Gone Wild by an 80s pop group. That's great. Uh, but Robocop grabs hold of the corrupt police officer and smashes his head of Duffy and smashes his head and I'm not sure whether that's in the first film or the second film anyway they mixed up together Uh, in terms of action scenes in the first film there is a great scene where uh, Robocop goes to a a, a drugs factory and he shoots up the place and he's doing all these cool moves like not looking in the direction where he's uh, shooting and that sort of thing um, I heard that during filming that scene, Peter Weller actually had his Walkman in, and he was listening to a Peter Gabriel record whilst, uh, whilst he was actually recording that scene. Very simple. I, yeah, I don't know <laughs> who knew exactly what he was listening to. He didn't really exactly have a Spotify playlist back though. In those days, would you walk? Well, funny enough, boy, isn't he? We've got Robocop playing in the background for our listeners, and my favourite scenes just come on and it is the moment when Bob Morton who plays a smart cocky arrogant yeah. um, Miguel, under, he's Miguel, an understudy to Dick Jones basically Miguel um, Ferrer is brilliant in this role he's excellent he is but he, his character is very he's smarmy he's arrogant and he he's ambitious and he wants to replace Dick Jones as um, senior president so he does a lot of arse kicking and he basically he, and arse kissing as well <sighs> He seems, to, he seems to be a favourite of the CEO, CEO fella. He does. But and it, it's that's so, why... Well, it didn't help with that scene, because um, obviously Dick Jones's prototype was at 209. Yes. And as we were saying earlier, you were saying about how he, it malfunctioned. So in that same scene, um, like Bob, like obviously the old man, like the president, is upset. He's not happy. And then Bob Morton just like uses that as an opportunity to win the way right. in. And then that's when he says about Robocop, he's had this prototype, it's ready to rock and roll. And, and how, how often that, does that happen, not only in the corporate world, but in yeah, politics I mean, as well? You know, I mean, playing favourites. Yeah, and, of course. You know, that, it's, I mean, it's politics part of life, and workplaces. I mean, Jesus, bloody hell, pick, name me one which doesn't have one. But in this scene anyway, Dick Jones, as, we, as I mentioned earlier, he's in cahoots with Clarence Bodiger. Um, so he is a, he is a bad guy. Um, and obviously he's going to get his revenge on Bob Morton who's upstaged him with this better prototype um, so this scene is where basically Clarence Bodiger is sent to Bob Morton's house where he's got two women on him um, sniffing cocaine he's sniffing cocaine off the tits but anyway that's a f- sorry buddy boy Wednesday night you should see what he does on Fridays <laughs> but this scene is just amazing because Clarence Bodiger comes in he shoots him in the legs so he can't walk and then Clarence Bodiger's girl got the, puts the disc in doesn't he and yeah, two things Jones. in this scene. Oh. One is the shiny CD-ROM <laughs> with a video on it, which in 1987 would have been almost unimaginable. The other is That's the grenade. Now, the grenade isn't a typical Mark II grenade that you sort of pull the pin out and chuck. Yeah. It's got a countdown timer on it. So why would it even need to look like a normal grenade? I don't understand. Anyway, it looks good on camera, put it this way. It's probably an alarm clock or something, isn't it, really? Of course, yeah, it definitely, but... 
I just love that scene. I just think it's so... And, I mean, as soon as Gladys Bardugo walks in, it's one of his, like, catchphrases, like, bitches, leave! I just... I remember watching that as a kid, and I was like... Ugh! I just thought that was amazing. But, yeah, um... Very sorry casual to, misogyny. Sorry, sorry to any female listeners. I mean, I certainly, obviously, have respect for women, but that, 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 they're unbelievable. What, what, <laughs> what we tend to say is these films happened in the 80s, and although that doesn't excuse everything, there were a lot of things we notice in these 80s films yeah. that we just wouldn't watch these days oh, of whatsoever. Yes, of course, Much definitely. to the disappointment no. of everyone. It's like that a lot, isn't it? Like, <laughs> I'm getting a bad look here from J-Dog. But basically, films are like any piece of art. They're a statement of the time in which they were made. Uh, and like history as well, it's it's easy to judge from what, a sedentary perspective. But what does it say that we're doing a podcast about those movies because we love them? Does that say something bad about us, J-Dog? I mean, that's Just say the... yes and then we'll move on. Well, no, because... We're bad men! I mean, that's, that's certainly a, a modern way of looking at it, isn't it? You know... <laughs> I mean, we like films for certain reasons. We don't like it for, like, misogyny and all this kind of stuff. We like it for certain aspects. And, well, I don't um, even think know, it's so much that. I think it's the fear of causing offence which could which could create some problems and this 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 worry about a backlash of what might happen if people do something. Yeah. I think that in times gone by, people were trusted a little bit more to actually make decisions, inform decisions based on what they wanted to watch, view, purchase... And they would suspend the disbelief, whereas nowadays yeah. I think people are mollycoddled uh, far too much. And it is an offence culture, isn't it? It's, just, I'm it's a, a grievance a, culture a, and, and an offence culture. And yeah. un- unfortunately in this age of social media, as useful as it can be for podcasts and such like, um, everybody's got a voice and unfortunately everybody's got an e- equal voice, which can be beneficial at times. At, on the other hand, at times it can be a disadvantage because the mob rules. Yeah. So what we're saying is really the in the eighties people tended to not give a shit as much, and also because there was no social media. Well, in, people, in could, a people could write a letter of complaint. <laughs> Nowadays they type something online, and, and it's there immediately. Instantly, times. yeah, instantly. Okay, so what about RoboCop today? I I, I think the problem with this, and I, you will probably touch upon now, is that there's actually been yes sequels to RoboCop, but there's actually been a reboot. And I know obviously it it wasn't received quite well. And I just hope that any younger kids out there, and yeah, I know it's an 18 and what have you, but there might be people that, when they first are introduced to Robocop, might actually see the new one. Um, what about the original, its legacy? Where does it stand today? And is it going to be kind of held down because of that lacklustre reboot? We're talking about the one with Joel Kinnaman. Ugh. I don't want to discuss that. That offended me. <laughs> well, look, we have, I think we've got another Ghostbusters situation here, haven't we? Mm. Where you can't no longer talk about... You can't just say Robocop. You have to say the old Robocop. The original. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Uh, for them to call that, that film in 2014 Robocop, like, oh my goodness me. Um, no. I mean, for me personally, the number one, the first one, which we've obviously spoke more about on this podcast, is the Robocop. That's the one for me. Number two, it's certainly a decent show. Um, it's certainly, to me, I actually like the storyline with Nuke. Um, with like the drugs and stuff like that um, I did think it was a good storyline and plot good body and things like that wasn't as well received on IMDB and like Rotten Tomatoes and things like that um, Robocop 3 <sighs> any listeners who are thinking of after listening to this like going through the whole Robocop catalogue take my advice do not look at number 3 run run for your life it is awful it got 3% on Rotten Tomatoes and it, how it got that is amazing because it's pardon me friends shit Flying Robocop, jetpacks. <laughs> it's awful. I actually watched a bit of it. Like I've, I've watched that film once. 
And I, that was a long time ago. I watched it recently and like, you know, thinking about the podcast coming up and I couldn't believe how bad it was. The ending was shit. Um, I did. I was surprised. Rip Torn's in it. I didn't realize he was in it. <laughs> he's um, insane. He's in everything. Yeah. Um, and he still looks the same, amazingly. Yeah. He, um, with that he, dyed hairpiece. But um, he, he, Freddie got fingered. <laughs> he he died a couple of years ago. Actually. Do you know what? You know what? he he got sent to jail or something, some sort of punishment for robbing a bank or crashing into a bank or something like that. Only a couple of years ago. Just a couple he's of years ago. Jeez, yeah, yeah. Man. He also got into a fight with a film director called Norman Mailer when they were making a film in the 70s, and I think they caught the fight on film and actually put it in the, the movie itself. Was so, he trying to rip him? Oh! Torn to shreds. So what we're saying is Robocop 3 is right up alongside the Garbage Pail Kids. It, don't go there. Horrendous. Horrendous. J-Dog, going back to Robocop 1, what about... It? Do people know it now? The, 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 today's generation, the millennials, so to speak, is it well known? I don't know. Probably not as much as what what we had it. I mean, when we were when we were younger, and this is another thing with things from the eighties. It it was aimed at children. So there was a RoboCop toys. There were a RoboCop computer games. Yeah. Every single console had a computer. I I had a copy on the um, Commodore sixty four RoboCop, which yeah. was actually uh, bugged. <laughs> you could never actually get past a certain level. You always ran out of time. How could they get away with making it? Imagine that now. It, it Red Dead Redemption too. It wasn't because you were shit and you couldn't finish it. <laughs> no, you, no, you genuinely couldn't get past it. So it was on every single console. Uh, I bought a, a NES lately and there was a, a copy on that as well. So it was everywhere. There was actually a follow-up Robocop versus Terminator computer game. Yeah, oh, it was excellent that. Did you have a copy I of had, it? I had it on the Amstrad. I'm sorry, I did, yeah, yeah. I didn't have a Commodore 64, but oh, I loved it. I thought it was excellent. Know. You know, we've, we've talked about as well, following films, Robocop 2, Robocop 3, there were also a bunch of made-for-TV movies as well. And do you remember that shop, Music Zone? Oh, my God, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You get I, I remember that. Like... Well, it was a bargain, but I don't know whether I should have bought it. It was 99 pence or something for a DVD with four Robocop TV movies on them. <laughs> and the storylines were absolutely atrocious. There was a baddie called Mr. Puttyhead or, or something like that. It was just it was terrible. It wasn't even the fella from Robocop 3 playing Robocop. It was it embarrassing. There's only one copy ever made and he owns it. I've got it. Yeah, I've still got it. I've still got it. Yeah. I've so, seen a bit of that to be honest and I thought it was terrible. It terrible. was. Yeah. So we got that, and dare we mention the crossover with uh, WCW? Oh my God, in 1990, yeah, yeah. Oh. Was that 1990? 1990. Was um, that. I'm a, for all our listeners, I'm a huge wrestling fan. I think um, you, you gentlemen know as well, but fans of the I mean, I take it to a whole new level, don't I? As you do, to be fair, Joe. I'll cut that out. <laughs> no, Axel, you are the number one wrestling fan. I'll let you have that man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, there was a crossover and it was in 1990 on a pay-per-view for WCW, World Championship Wrestling, which is now, um, that was took over by the World Wrestling Entertainment, as everyone knows, um, as a company. Anyway, um, they had a pay-per-view called Capital Combat and it was in 1990 and basically Robocop teamed with Sting um, to, <laughs> to face the Four Horsemen with Woo! Rick Flair <laughs> and his comrades. And it was done mainly to promote Robocop 2, because that's when it was, um, 1990 was when it came out. Um, it wasn't very well received in the wrestling industry. It's thought it was one of the worst moments. But for me, um, 
if, you, if you were the right out. age. Yeah, if you were the right age, absolutely. I mean, when I when I heard about it, I was just like, uh-huh. <laughs> I just, but it's when it's exactly. when Robocop walks down to save Sting, and because Robocop can only walk at approximately two miles an hour, he has to get from the entrance, the gorilla position, from the gorilla position down to the ring, down to the ring. And then he he bends the bars and then saves Sting from the cage. How does he bend next day with our bend those bars though? That, that's the question. There's rubber bars. It's <laughs> yeah, rubber hands. But that's the thing. I mean, made was, out of flumps. It was always going to be difficult, wasn't it? Because I mean, Robocop. You think of Robocop like in an action like moment, and you think of him with his gun. Do you know what I mean? So obviously he's not going to walk down with kids with the little foam fingers pointing up, and he's going to. He's got foam fingers. Do you know what I mean? It's not going to. You know, so it really so was... Did he actually do any wrestling moves? Did he get no, in the? Did no. he even enter the ring? I mean, as as I said earlier, I mean that that suit that he had to well, Peter Weller had to wear was so heavy. You know, there was no way. I mean, if he had to like film and scenes where he has to bend, he'd have to have just a, he'd be in his underpants. Hmm. There's no way he's getting bending into the getting getting into the ring, let alone do any moves. So it was very. I think as far as my recollection of it, he spent the whole time on the outside and the ramp. Um, it was just, it was just circus. It was theater. It was just let's bring them out, and let's bring them back. You know, whatever done. So, do you think that we might see another RoboCop film? If I'm, if I'm completely honest, I hope, I hope not. I mean, I think, you know, there's been four RoboCop installments, um, and that's take away the TV scenes. If you want to include the TV scenes, it's gone gradually downhill, in my opinion. You know, I mean, RoboCop three was awful. It really, really was. Um, as I've pointed before. But for me, if you want to try and... That iconic figure of Robocop for me, personally, when you think of it, is that Peter Weller version. To me, don't dig it up. You know, don't bring it back again. Don't You can't put someone else in it. You know what I mean? Just please don't. Well, uh, well I've actually got some news for you, gentlemen. Given that you two are the big Robocop fans, mm-hmm. I actually did know there actually is a Robocop sequel being made. And you'll be pleased to know that it is not to the 2014 disaster Ugh. it's actually a direct sequel to the original so whether that bodes i mean and, and you know what it's like in this age of reboots and sequels and is, trying to cash in on the old law but it is actually being made or at least it's, it's be, been greenlit is it going to be peter weller I, I don't know the answer to that question but oh. just to let you know there is actually a new robocop movie in the works i'm quite i don't know do you think that oh. there were as many rehashes in the 80s of films from the 50s or were there more new i new quote new ideas in the eighties? I think for me personally, I mean, it's hard to create something fresh and new that no one's ever seen before. Like in the kind of you know, so eighties was tapping into a. I mean, look at special effects. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you obviously couldn't do that in the fifties. You know, so it's like, mm. it's kind of, it's hard. I mean, for me, it's a lot of things have been done already. So try and top that. So that I think find a fresh material nowadays it is difficult you know i just find a lot of stuff tends to be rehashed or uh you know what was the morning with 20 years ago with plants of the apes and it was tim burton called it a revision or reimagining reimagining or something like that and that could you know arguably that started the trend it just gets so tedious doesn't it i think though as well with um with like franchises that are guaranteed sellers like you know things that come to mind like Toy Story I mean you could do a Toy Story now not release a plot and it's going to sell you know and it's based on but every know, single Toy Story film has been very well received yeah, I, yeah. I when the second that you said before you said Toy Story I thought about Terminator yeah, and oh. look at where we're up to now with Terminator Jeez, is it like 17 installments or something? well our childhood <laughs> yeah. was defined by Terminator 1 and 2 yeah, yeah, yeah. now 
Look at it. I couldn't tell you how many Terminators. And not only is it, you know, <laughs> even even if it was uh, some directors like McGee who made uh, Terminator Salvation had had taken it off in their direction and besmirched it. No, Arnold Schwarzenegger has done it himself. He's oh, embarrassed yeah. himself countless times. Do you know what he reminds me of? Stallone. It's like you've had your time. Look at you. Look in the mirror. I'm not being horrible. All due respect, you've, you know, you're an, you know, iconic figure in in this industry, but look at yourself. You cannot seriously relate to us now. You know, you can't think nah. You know, Sylvester like, Stallone, Stallone. Sylvester Stallone wrote Rambo. Oh. First Blood. Sylvester Stallone wrote Rocky. Sylvester Stallone, 25 years later, was playing the baddie in Spike Heads 3D. Yeah. He'd made Stop All My Mom Will Shoot. Another yeah. classic, which we might do one day. But it's <laughs> 90s, thank God. Oh, God, all right, I'll let you off. But let me give a bit of credit to Sylvester Stallone. He actually, I'm sure he was a part writer for Creed. And yeah, he didn't play the, the big role. He was a kind of a supporting role. Very well received. No, no. He, he certainly... Did he direct it? Well, I think he may have had some involvement, but he's but not they, as in not an Arnie's no, league. But, of... No, but like with all due respect to Stallone, obviously there's you know he's he's a major figure in in the industry for a reason. But maybe he should stick to the writing then, stick to the directing. He's playing Rambo this day and age, and you know it got panned. He looks like he's melting. Do you know what I mean? I'm not being horrible to the guy, but like just stop it. You've had so much weight. I'm not. How old is he now? Like seventy. Seventy. You know, come on. I think you know, I think the up. other thing to say about that new Rambo film is. Ugh. It was very much, you know, which one? Because he, well, yeah, the new new Rambo film, the most <laughs> yeah, the latest. He done one about ten years ago, and then obviously that's and that was a new one. That which I, to be fair, I actually enjoyed. I did too, but the new one, the latest one, should I say, and that one, the very much of a different era, and those Rambo films as well. Maybe not the first one. First one was actually a very good psychological drama. It was the second and third one, ones that took it into that ridiculous realm you know exploding helicopters with uh, a crossbow and or, yeah, bow and arrow that sort of thing million you know hundreds of people getting killed left right and centre that was the 80s over the top films were par for the course now not so much films like that, that just don't go down very well and especially this latest one which was full of all sorts of cliches you know the bad guys with the foreigners and it it struck all of the wrong chords in this a politically correct day and age, which yeah. we actually, which we talked about earlier. Definitely. No, look, guys, I know you could talk about this film for the rest of the night, but have you got any final thoughts before we wrap things up? Well, we didn't get much of a chance to talk about the special effects. Oh, yeah. Well, well yep. quickly, I'm going to give you two minutes to just give us a few little points about what your thoughts were on it. Well, so funny enough, you were just talking about computers before. Um, it, the effects were actually generated from a Commodore Amiga <laughs> computer. Why did mine look like that then? <laughs> but I think, do you know what, soon, like, you know, when you think about that though, and like you know, you're picturing, like, you know, he's got the prime directives and mm. like, what's happening and that. It, it makes sense. You yeah. know, it does remind you that green screen, you know, yeah. it, it really yeah. does. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so stop motion animation on Ed 209 is fantastic, I think, even in this day and age. There are still, there are, there are a few clunky bits now when you watch it on DVD and Blu ray. But the way they filmed it, they took the model, they projected the scenes that had been filmed with the humans behind it, and it was stop motion, you know, every little yes. bit carefully done. Still looks reasonably good on camera, I think, today. I think, um, as well, just with special effects, I mean, we were saying earlier about the blood, I think it was, like, obviously there was a lot of it. I, I do think it kind of was a bit of a detriment to a point, though, because it did, you know, make the film... I mean, I'm going to say unrealistic. Obviously, we're talking about a cyborg cop, and obviously uh, that goes into unrealistic. Yeah. But it's like... 
you know, how many, I mean, Murphy in that scene gets blown to pieces, like, you know, by Literally. a many, and he's still living. And then, at yeah. the same time, he's got a bullet in his head, he's dead, and then he's getting wheeled in an helicopter, and he's got a, he's got a pumping air into him, and he's got a heart rate. <laughs> don't, you know what I mean? It's forget, like they've been on the machine. Don't forget. And then go, yeah, let's call it. Don't, like, don't forget, <laughs> though, Axel, this is the film that contains uh, a man who falls into toxic waste <laughs> and is then oh. run over and explodes like like the toxic Now we're going back into favourite scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Get off me, man. <laughs> yeah, we've just got the film on in the background and Ray Weiss has just had his demise, should we and say. And funny enough, we're talking about overreacting as well. Um, a bullet in each tit of Anne Lewis and she came down a thing and she's still alive and look at that and she's still got the perfect shot as well mm-hmm. from a good distance but that's, that's the only negatives I'll say about Robocop but I still love it <laughs> so in previous two episodes what we me and uh, J-Dog have tried to do is give films some a bit of a ranking yep. and actually you know in between the, the last recording and this me and J-Dog have said that it's a bit difficult if we just put them in so what I'm going to do is I'm going to make it a bit more simple we're going to start giving our films uh, a mark out of ten it's nice and easy everyone okay. can stand so very quickly Back to the Future episode one J-Dog are we going to acknowledge that that was a ten out of ten for us ten and, out of ten okay we're going to quickly episode two what was our Bill and Ted mark out of ten eight out of ten he's gone for an eight out of ten now the job for you two guys is to come to an agreement what's your final rating for Robocop it's a tough one well, yeah, I'll tell you what might make it easier J-Dog do you rank it above or below Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure can I do the cop out thing and go right in the middle of a nine you can do the cop out thing quite a but that Tom if I'm not... honest I've been thinking about eight and nine it's not a perfect film obviously we've already said it's flaws you know um you know, so obviously it was never going to be a 10. I mean, the nostalgia. The nostalgia and the child in me wants to say 12. Do you know what I mean? I love that film. Like, me and um, J Dog, I mean, for years have been sending each other voice clips about this film, <laughs> haven't we? You know, yeah. just randomly in the night. We love this film. Um, realistically, as I say, it's not perfect. Um, 8.5 now. I'd say it's got to be around that. Decimals. And Max, I'm going to give you... 10. 8.79. <laughs> I'm going to give you 10 seconds to quickly agree. 8.5 or 9. I'm not, in fact, I'm not having 8.5s. I'm having 8 or 9. 9. Nine. There you go. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, thanks for joining us on episode three of our Circuits of Time podcast. We'll be back soon with another episode where we may be discussing the likes of... We have Ghostbusters, The Babes, Commando, The Goonies... Weird science, yeah, the, the, the works. Uh, we'll be back it's very soon with a brand new episode. Axel, have you enjoyed being I have. part of the show? It, it's been excellent. Thank you for having me. And you can just hear the passion in J-Dog's voice then, seeing these films. Like, the, the 80s is such a great decade for films, and it's been a pleasure to talk about Robocop. And, you know, thanks, uh, listeners, to anyone who's listening as well. Thank you. Great to have you. Great stuff. See you next time. Thank you. See you next time, nerds.